Let's bow our heads to pray. Dear Jesus, we cry out, come and be with us. Master, have mercy on us and come and be in our presence. May your, may your voice be heard. We love you so much. Amen. So in this passage that we are, we are wrestling with today, we are faced with quite a few labels. Labels are placed on the location that the scene is playing out between Samaria and Galilee. And labels are also placed on the characters that are in the story. We have leper, Samaritan, master. These are the labels, or what also could be called the social um, labels that are placed uh, on the characters in this story. Leper, Samaritan, foreigner. So let's take a moment to unpack these labels that we are hearing. A leper. A leper is anyone with a skin disease or a skin ailment. Typically it is the skin disease where it's very contagious, but it also might have been another kind of skin disease. They didn't have a distinction back then. And so lepers in this world, they, by Levitical law, they were forced to be outcasts of society, mainly and originally in order to keep the spread of diseases from going on to the rest of the town. It was a blessing from God to know that, hey, when you see a skin ailment like this, put them outside of the rest of society until they are healed. Otherwise, the disease will spread. But when Jesus walks into the scene, and when we have this story playing out, leprosy had become another ailment attached to it. It was not just your physical issue that you had that made you an outcast, but it was also the social label that was placed upon them. Because you see, when you had an ailment, a de deformity, anything that made you different, then you were an outcast because you were given this ailment because you had sinned. So you have um, blind people or you have um, lepers, you have people who cannot walk, who are, can't hear. They were seen as having these ailments because of a sin in their life. And it was God smiting them because of it. And so these lepers were seen as social outcasts because of their physical ailments and because of their social exclusions. And so what they had to do was they would be outcasts from society and they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, as a reminder to those around them to not come near them. And also it became a reminder to themselves of who they were, of the label of unclean that was placed upon them. Another label that we have present in this story is that of Samaritan. Now, Samaritans have a very interesting history in relation to the Jews. The Samaritans, they came from the same lineage of the Jews. They both came from Abraham. But the Samaritans um, chose to stray away from the, from the norm, and they worshiped the same God, but how they worshiped and where they worshiped became very different than the Jews and also became a source of arguments and of hatred between the two groups. 
and it justified the Jews' rejection of them. If you walked through a um, Samaritan territory, you were seen as unclean and you'd have to be cleansed again. So lepers are justified in their rejection by society because of a simple wanting to keep the disease from spreading, but also from their social stigmas. And Samaritans, simply because of religion difference and from race difference. But here we have Jesus coming into the scene. Jesus, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is the, um, he is the minister to the social outcasts. This is the social justice gospel, where you have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, and it is all being tossed around and flipped upside down, according to our standards. But yet, in this scene, we have Jesus coming onto the scene, following the social rules. He did what he was supposed to do in this situation. Typically, and in all the stories before this, we have Jesus going to people, and he is touching them and healing them on the spot. But here, Jesus isn't doing that. He is staying, he's keeping his distance from the lepers, which is not normal for him, but was normal for the, for the customs of the day, the social expectations of the day. So Jesus walks in, and he walks onto the scene, keeping his distance, and he tells them to go to the priest, to um, show yourselves to the priest. He says this because that was the only way for them to be declared clean again. Once you were unclean, you had to go through the priest in order to be cleansed. To be, they were the um, officers of the day that defined if you were clean or unclean. And so he sent them. And with faith, the lepers headed off to the priests in hopes that by the time they got there, they would be clean so that they could come back into society. And so on the way to the priests, they are healed. On the way there, they are healed. And at least one of them notices this healing. One of them notices in himself that what ailment he had, whatever made him different than the rest, was healed. And so instead of doing what he was told and doing what was the social standards, doing what was dictated by the Levitical laws, which was to go to the priests, he stops, turns around, and begins to praise God as he runs back to Jesus, back to the one that had healed him. He is jumping and praising God as he runs back to Jesus, and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. He prostrates himself at Jesus' feet. And once he gets there, Jesus is still standoffish in a way. He stands back and he's still acting according to the social norms, saying, We're not ten clean. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This Samaritan, this is when we are introduced to the Samaritan character. Introduced that one of the individuals, at least in this crowd of ten, was not like the rest in more ways than one. The Samaritan never made it to the priest, to priest and he, but he was healed. But he was still considered unclean because he never went to the priest. Maybe the Samaritans were not bound by the same laws as the Jews. But all that matters is that the Samaritan returned to the Savior that he knew he needed to return to. Isn't it beautiful today that we don't have these kinds of labels? 
We don't put names on people and try to cast them out of our society because they're different than we are. We don't try to judge people based on their skin color or on their heights or on their gender or on their language or on their abilities. No, we never do that. When I was in elementary school at La Sierra University, I was there till I was in third grade. And I think it was my second grade year. And there was this kid in my class, and he was a little different than the rest. He had, gin- he had red ha- um, ginger-colored hair, was super pale, a lot of freckles, little heavy set. And for some reason, this combination created a source of bullying in him because he was different than the norm. Whatever the norm was set up to be, he did not fit that social standard. And I remember one incident, and to my day, it's burned in my brain watching this, is we were in the office, and all the chairs were filled up, and there was at least three people standing. And he was called into the principal to talk to him. And when he stood up and walked away, the other three that were standing, none of them wanted to sit in his chair. They looked at each other, and they just snickered, and I'm like, you sit in the chair. No, you sit in the chair. No, you sit in the chair. And they didn't want to. That chair was deemed as unclean because he had sat in it. Because it's another human being who they deemed as less than or as outcast sat in the chair. Nowadays, we have this label of outcast, the in-crowd and the out-crowd. And sadly, we do this today, and it's not just in the playground when this happens. It happens with adults. We have our terms of in-crowd and out-crowd. If you act according to our social standards, then you are good. But if you don't, well... Because we have this tendency. We, we dish this out even as adults. We still marginalize people based on their skin tone, their immigration status, their sexuality, their clothing, their careers. We justify cutting them down because they are different than us. And we reject them. We find ways of saying, of justifying this um, treatment of another human being, of another child of God. And I'd like to say this doesn't happen in the church. So Jesus goes to the Samaritan. He goes up to the Samaritan and he is praising him for his faith. We see Jesus making a distinction between these two groups in this next part of the verse. He says, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The distinction here is not made between Jew and Gentile or Jew and Samaritan. Which honestly, that was the distinction I wanted to make. When I first read this text, I wanted to say this is about entitlements and how those Jews were entitled because they, had, they felt they had God and they didn't need a Jesus. But then I reread it a few times and I see that's not there. It never says the rest are Jews and that this one was a Samaritan. The distinction is not based on race. The distinction was not based on physical elements but it was based on their response to the presence of God. 
The presence of God is, and how we respond to it is what matters. How we treat others in the presence of God, that is what matters. And so Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I believe last week the disciples asked about faith and how they could have more faith. And I believe Jesus responded with a story about a servant. A servant that was not expected to be praised for just doing what he was told. And here we have a story of a Samaritan doing the opposite of what he was told and then getting praised for his faith. He was praised for going against the social norms, for doing more than just what was expected of him. He was praised for praising God, his heavenly Father. God does not define us by, our social, by the social norms or cultural divides. Jesus divides us by how we respond to the presence of God. And the Samaritan was still a Samaritan. He went on his way. He still was who he was. He, the Jews would have seen him as unclean, but Jesus did not. He was sent away a changed man, but his race did not need to change. In our churches today, we are introduced to people constantly. We have visitors that are amazing to have here in church. And they're coming to the presence of God, hoping to praise God, hoping to go above and beyond what is supposed to happen in church, to sit in a pew and listen to a sermon. But we go beyond and we praise God with our worship and with response and with offerings and with teaching our children's, their children more about God's love for us. And we cannot be the ones to turn away those that make us uncomfortable. Those who come through our doors, just like the Samaritan did, praising God. We cannot turn them away because of things that are of race or of gender or of language. Because all they want is to be in the presence of God. We are not defined by the labels that society has placed on us but by the love that God has given us. The love that is transformative and that will form us into what we are meant to be, children of God. We are called to be his children and to live in his presence continuously. When we're at church, when we leave the doors, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week, We are living in the presence of God, and that is what it means to be a Christian. And so we need to act like Jesus did, seeing everyone else in that same light as children of God, introducing them to our Heavenly Father if they don't know him already, and just starting the path, but not being there the entire way to tell them how they're supposed to act or how they're supposed to be, but letting God do his job. We are all unique in the image of God and who he says we are. We may even find that God may not fix everything that society says is unclean. The leper Samaritan came as a leper Samaritan and was cured of his leprosy, but not of his Samaritan, because that was not an issue in God's eyes. We are followers of God. 
the God of all living creatures, not just the God of the Jews or the God of Samaritans, but the God of everybody who loves every one of us and has a purpose for our lives. And we need to see everyone else in this same light, with this same image. We are a church that needs to be ready to accept everyone who walks through our doors, no matter their history, social location, language, class, religion, immigration, status, sexual orientation, race, gender, and age. Whoever walks in, we love them. And we let God do the rest. We let God make them into the person that they are meant to be, a child of God. And it's our job to stand in the presence of God and to say, I am who you say I am. I am who you want me to be, who you created to me, and I will follow what you say. And then to encourage others to do the same, to stand in the presence of God and say, I am who you say I am. I am loved. I am a child of the living God.